Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture, and thank you for joining us here at Midweek. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day, and a busy day it will be as we um, continue to look at some of the issues, along with, of course, the election now less than a week away, but some other things that are going on. We'll keep an eye on a big dicamba decision from EPA yesterday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to hear from Joel Haggard, Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He's in Hong Kong, and he's going to tell us about some of the work going on to promote U.S. meat sales in that part of the world and how some things are starting to get a little bit more back to normal uh, in this uh, pandemic. We'll talk about some of those efforts. We're also going to hear from the U.S. Apple Association about how the apple industry is helping with... uh, school feeding programs and we're going to get a harvest update from the state of ohio all that coming up on today's program but we'll start with the news yesterday epa okaying dicamba use for five more years but with some changes the new cutoff date for applications on dicamba tolerant soybeans will be june 30th the new cutoff date for cotton will be july 30th And, as I mentioned this earlier, EPA is expanding the downwind buffer zone from 110 feet to 240 feet. And they are also establishing an endangered species buffer of 310 feet in counties where endangered species may be present. So those are some of the changes in this extension of the use of dicamba. And Wheeler also said an approved pH buffering agent will be required to be mixed with dicamba products prior to all applications to uh, lower volatility. So that is another change. Let's talk about it now with Gene Payne, president of the Illinois Fertilizer and Chemical Association. Gene, thanks for joining us. So I just went through some of the changes as far as cutoff dates okay. for application and, and uh, the downwind buffer zone extension from 110 mm-hmm. feet to 240 feet. Your thoughts on this mm-hmm. ruling? Well, I think it's a welcome ruling, Mike, because there's definitely a balancing act that had to happen. We have dicamba-tolerant technology being planted It was important that farmers did have options to use at some level some over-the-top utilization. And so I think it's important that we got that, but I think it's also very obvious that US EPA is trying to address the challenges that, um, you know, the courts had with this product by putting in the June 30th cutoff date. That's the first time we've had a federal cutoff date by extending the downwind buffers, um, you know, by also acknowledging that, you know, the training is going to continue. I think a lot of those things will help. I do think, though, there'll still be, you know, issues to address. I'll I'll just use Illinois for an example. Our state last year put in additional restrictions, which was the June 20th cutoff, and also an 85-degree, no spray if the forecast high was 85 degrees. And we brought our complaints down from 700 in 2019 to just 150 in 2020. So I know our Department of Ag is going to be very um, still determined to not let our complaint levels go back up because while we're very happy to see the -the over-the-top capability, 
we do have to remember that the Enlist soybeans, the non-GMO soybeans, the Liberty soybeans, the specialty crops are all still out there and all still sensitive to dicamba. So we still have a major coexistence challenge on our hands that we've had for the last four years and will continue, you know, for the next five years, it looks like. So all of this has to be, you know, evaluated, I think, on a state basis. And a state like Illinois has got a very diverse population and, you know, a very uh, urban legislature. So we really have to try to make sure we walk this fine line of utilizing this technology properly, but also being cognizant that we still have a lot of coexistence issues um, with this technology still. Right. I think you make two excellent points there. One, all the controversy and all the concerns are not going to go away. Uh, And as you said, it's still going to be a little different state to state because each state's probably going to make uh, adjustments like you said Illinois did last year and other states have done. So that will probably continue, right? I think it will. And I think it's important and everybody understands that whatever decisions are made, if the state decides to expand the label use or restrict the label use, it needs to be done quickly because we definitely need to have certainty for the farmers and for the ag retailers. Always important to know what are we going to inventory and what are our weed control programs going to be. But I, I hope this sets the stage for, you know, integrated weed management, that dicamba is not the only product to manage broadleaves. We have to look at, you know, other methods if we want to make sure that we have, you know, good utilization and effective efficacy of these products. That's that's the other underlying challenge behind the scenes. It's good to have this herbicide technology legal to use, but it shouldn't be the only thing that's used. And that's a message I think the industry is trying to get out there so that we, you know, long-term don't use, don't lose things like dicamba and 2,4-D. We want to keep them working for a long time and, and not go by the wayside of glyphosate, which, you know, was the go-to for so many years and then eventually became less effective, which is why we are and where we are today with uh, the utilization of these oxen herbicides. That's a great point. Gene, thank you very much. Good to talk with you. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks. You're welcome, Mike. Take care. Gene Payne, president of the Illinois Fertilizer and Chemical Association, on the EPA announcement yesterday of uh, uh, okaying the use of dicamba for five more years, but with some changes, and as she said, there'll be differences state to state. Up next, we're going to talk with the senior vice president for the Asia-Pacific region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, but at FS Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere, because in the end, those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local FS crop specialist today. FS Envision. Never settle. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Rock Slabaugh, Senior Vice President, National Rural Health Association. How is the rural health care system holding up under this pandemic? We have places around the country where hospitalizations and surges are within uh, normal or but no normal ranges. But then we have other parts of the country that are experiencing some rapid increases in cases with increase in hospitalizations and filling up 
intensive care units. Those are occurring largely in South Dakota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, kind of growing in the state of Montana. So we've got some large areas of the United States uh, being impacted by this right now. Keep in mind, 61% of rural hospitals do not have an intensive care unit. Many times if the care needed exceeds the capacity, they have to be transferred to some of the larger regional hospitals. And uh, when those are full, the rural hospital has to take care of those patients for longer. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. There are always challenges in international market development work, but when you have a global pandemic, those challenges are even bigger. But work is still going on, and in the area of um, the Asia-Pacific region, there are some signs of getting some things going again, uh, back, maybe a little bit more back to normal as far as promoting our, our meat products. Joining us now from Hong Kong is Joel Haggard. He is Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about the work in that part of the world that you are involved in and, and how it's been impacted by COVID-19 and, and how you're dealing with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, good evening, and it's uh, great being on the show. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting because the COVID pandemic, uh, we, we, we watched the TV uh, in the morning and the evening, and we were seeing this uh, second or third wave uh, throughout Europe and the United States. But uh, here in Asia, and particularly um, here in Hong Kong, but especially in China, things are uh, remarkably uh, returning back to normal. It's a new normal, to be sure, but... Uh, but it's much more normal um, social distancing um, uh, requirements and, and guidance has been lifted in China, for example. Large gatherings are allowed. Um, they're having trade exhibitions. Uh, we're seeing conventions being canceled in the States, but they're just 
really restarting uh, back in China. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, comforting for us to see the, uh, the marketing environment in China, which is, you know, such a promising market, um, uh, return to a, a new normal for it. Well, tell us about some of your efforts there to promote U.S. meat products and how it's going. Sure. Um, well, this has been an extraordinary year, not only because of COVID, but probably more so because of the African swine fever um, outbreak that's uh, really cut back China's uh, pork supplies. And so uh, I think uh, most uh, most of your audience is probably aware we've been shipping a lot of uh, pork uh, to, to China, record amounts. But uh, this year what's been interesting is we're, we're seeing uh, – the beef uh, really starting to pop right now, and uh, so we've been uh, we've been promoting um, in, in all types of uh, you know in all types of formats, in-store promotions at Sands Club, uh, barbecues for traders, a lot of uh, a lot of seminars and other educational events for chefs and distributors, pretty much the full gamut of activities. And, uh, you know, the audience has been very receptive because um, we're, in, uh, we're in a particularly favorable position right now on, on both beef and pork, but on the beef side because of the, uh, Australia's uh, tight supply situation. So um, it's, it's been, uh, I have to say, it's, it's been pretty encouraging. We're talking with Joel Haggard, Senior Vice President for the Asia-Pacific Region for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. He's joining us from Hong Kong. Now, uh, understand that some in-person food trade shows are starting to take place again. Yeah, that's correct. Um, there was the, uh, uh, there's a very large show. It's probably the largest food exhibition in um, Asia, uh, and it's called CLSAAL, and that took place a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, if you, you weren't a resident of China, you couldn't attend because the borders are still sealed tight. But uh, at the show in Shanghai, you saw tens of thousands of visitors, most maskless. Um, MEF held a barbecue uh, for 350 people um, after one of the trade show days. Um, again, uh, with, with no social distancing uh, requirements. Um, and, and this has been going on now for, for about a month um, Former Ambassador Branstad held a barbecue at his house uh, just a few days before he departed his post in Beijing. That was on Constitution Day, September 17th. So these are just, uh, you know, these are just some of the activities that have been happening uh, already for over a month. And there's more coming. Uh, there's another, the second largest food exhibition in China will be staged um, within, uh, within another two weeks. And in Hong Kong, um, one of the first trade exhibitions to be staged after the lifting of social distancing guidelines from the our third wave of the outbreak uh, will be held in about two weeks from today. So what are your thoughts on the prospects for sales moving forward into that region? Do you see a, a pretty strong market for us there? Uh, yes, uh, the, the numbers, you know, tell the story. But yeah, everyone uh, on the pork side, people are a little bit nervous because China's pork uh, supplies are starting to come back. So uh, analysts over the last year, um, 
everywhere, not just in the U.S., but everywhere have been trying to figure out when China would be able to stage this recovery, just get its, you know, get its soured back in place and get the market hog supply back to, uh, back to an increasing trend. That's clearly happening now. And so um, what we see is we see pork, uh, we see China live hog prices dropping, but they're still extraordinarily high. Um, but but they're, they're, in a, they're in a downtrend right now, and uh, domestic supplies are increasing. But we're still forecasting very high pork imports uh, into next year. This year will be the record year, though. We'll probably see a decline next year, but still, uh, still it'll be a, a second-large import year and probably our second-largest export volume next year to China. And, um, you know, on the beef side, it looks very favorable because Australia, it will take, uh, you know, they're at the bottom of their cattle cycle. So it's going to take them time to rebuild. Australia is the main competitor in China for us for grain fed. Uh, we, the U.S. industry got expanded access um, for U.S. beef in January under the uh, phase one uh, deal that U.S. and China uh, negotiated. And that's really been paying off for us. So, uh, on the beef side, it looks uh, very favorable. And if you look at the weekly sales on beef over the last couple of months, it's just a, a very nice uh, graph line moving upwards. How does the political rhetoric between the U.S. and China impact that market for U.S. meat products? Yeah, very good question. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting and it's, um, it's been volatile. There's no question. Um, and, uh, when, when China's official media gets, uh, particularly upset at something the U S does or says, then, uh, that, then we see some, you know, we see some consumers getting a little, uh, sensitive about, uh, U S products and, 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 uh, and the flag being waved, uh, in supermarkets. But, uh, strangely over the last, over the last month or so, it's been, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, I mean, one thing we watch is the way product clears through the uh, inspections at port. And um, uh, product inspections for U.S. beef and pork have been remarkably smooth. And, and despite concern on the Chinese side about COVID being carried into China on imported frozen uh, meat and seafood. So um, it's been remarkably, fingers crossed, it's been remarkably stable um uh so far and especially over the last couple of months you talked uh, earlier about uh, some of the competition uh what who is our biggest competitor in that market and how are we positioned to deal with that yeah well china is china is importing so much meat and poultry that, that they literally import large volumes from anyone and everyone who's got large volumes to supply so everyone is playing in China. Uh, but if you look at the total value of meat and poultry that China imports, uh, Brazil, um, and they ship poultry, they ship pork, they ship, ship beef, Brazil is the highest um, uh, volume and value country uh, supplier of all meat and poultry. Uh, but the U.S. follows. So but then after that, you, you know, you have Australia, you have New Zealand, and you have all the European countries, Spain, Germany, Denmark, on the, on the port side, uh, all South American countries on the beef side, Uruguay, Argentina. Everyone's playing in China right now. They need the protein. Um, it's very competitive. 
China will China likes to keep its uh, supply base diversified. It doesn't want to put all its eggs into one country's supplies. So um, you know, no one has a dominant market share there. For example, uh, in the imported pork market, which is you know, this year will be you know many millions of tons, the U.S. has an 18% market share, but that's just below number one supplier Brazil, which is maybe a percentage point or a percentage point or two above the U.S. So it's diversified. All right, Joe, really appreciate the overview and the, the report uh, from that part of the world. Thank you for joining us. Okay, Mike, thank you. Anytime. Take care. Joel Haggard, U.S. Meat Export Federation Senior Vice President for, for the Asia-Pacific region, joining us from Hong Kong. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org slash coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 food banks strong. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, a defensive tone to begin this Wednesday trading session. An hour into the day, we're trending 7 to 9 lower in corn. 13 to 14 cents lower in soybeans. The wider risk-off approach embraced by both the equities and commodity markets being felt in livestock futures as well. Today's hog slaughter estimated at 489,000 head, 2,000 more than a week ago. Cattle at 117,000 head, that'd be 3,000 less than a week ago. Meanwhile, USDA announcing 120,000 tons of soybeans sold to unknown destinations, 110,000 tons sold to Egypt, 207,000 tons of optional origin corn for South Korea, according to USDA. December corn down eight and a quarter at 407 and a quarter. March down eight and a quarter at 408 and a quarter. November soybeans down 13 at 1069. January 1063 and a quarter down 13. Chicago wheat December down eight and a half, 607 and a quarter. Kansas City December down eight, 541 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat December down nine and three quarters, 551 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock in the Merck and live cattle futures, we have been trending into positive territory. October up 60, 105.45. December up 82 at 104.87. Feeder cattle November up 80 at 133.10. Lean hog futures December down 95, 
6670. On Wall Street, the S&P down 88, Dow down 714. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, one of the many challenges of COVID-19 that we're still dealing with, uh, that has to do, of course, the impact on schools and a lot of schools still not open. And a lot of children, depending on those uh, school feeding programs and how to help those people and how to get the help to those kids, well, there are a lot of things going on, but one we want to focus on now is how the Apple industry is helping. And joining us is our good friend Jim Baer, president and CEO of U.S. Apple. Jim, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know that the U.S. Apple Association is making a, a, a big donation uh, for this effort to help feed school kids. Tell us about it, please. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, as you and I have discussed before, the the bounty of U.S. agriculture is amazing. But still, 30 million American kids don't have enough to eat and depend on the school lunch program just to fuel their learning, whether that's home learning or in-school learning. And we just felt like during this time that we should do something to to uh, to, to assist. And so we've had this program for several years, our Apples for Education program. And it's not about just giving away apples. It's actually... Um, intended to provide funds for creative programs that get proposed and to teach kids about healthy eating. And when the school started shutting down last spring, I mean, even though a lot of apples go into the school lunch program, but, um, this is really not about just, you know, giving away apples. We feel like in, any healthy diet is going to include apples and we'll get our fair share of that. But it just seemed natural that, uh, our segment of agriculture ought to try and help out. And so we're providing this this grant of $20,000 to the School Nutrition Association to uh, purchase food and packaging for grab-and-go meals, for mobile carts and kiosks at curbside distribution, and uh, personal protective equipment to keep the workers safe. So we're, we're hoping that we won't have to do this again next year, but for right now it's certainly necessary. A lot of kids are going to school hungry and, and now they're staying home hungry and even in a, in a so-called normal year 
the school lunch program where he feeds these kids during the week and then they go home on the weekend. And in a lot of cases, um, the best meals that they get all week long are the school lunch program. So as you mentioned, there are a lot of ways that this is helping and, and, and it points to a lot of things that maybe we don't always realize or, or think of, or maybe take for granted, um, all the different, uh, needs that are out there and when you have something shut down like a school system that impact really is felt throughout a community and in many ways so you're trying to address several of those needs that are out there it is and while our food production system is pretty resilient as we have learned i mean there were there were challenges no doubt but uh, we've learned that we can power through a lot but nonetheless even in a even under the best of circumstances there are there are a lot of people in this country, and it's hard for those of us from the heartland to believe, but there are a lot of people who don't even have access, don't even know where to go to get healthy food. Uh, last year, we gave a grant to a high school in the Bronx of New York, and I went up there to uh, be a part of the ceremony to give them their check, and this particular neighborhood, uh, it was noisy and crowded. It was a farm boy's worst nightmare i tell you and i walked around this neighborhood and i had heard the term food desert before but i'd never actually seen it but i saw one there and there's fast food places but there's really no grocery store and i don't know how people do it uh and so it really opened my eyes to how there's so many people in this country that even under the best of circumstances don't have access to healthy food and and certainly uh, COVID made that even more difficult. So we've sort of felt like we had to do something, try to help out where we could. We're talking with Jim Baer, president and CEO of U.S. Apple Association. And Jim, as you mentioned, it's not just uh, donating apples. Uh, this this money can go to things like uh, carts and coolers for, for curbside and, and classroom meal service or even personal protective equipment for staff and, and for students. So th this can be used in a lot of ways. It really can, and we've, we've left it kind of open-ended for the school uh, lunch people to decide how best to use our grant in the way that it has the most impact. Um, it's, a, it's an unusual year, of course, and we look at this year as being just that it's a it's a difficult time and we're just trying to keep things rolling and hopefully next year we can get back to what is ordinarily our our custom and that is to provide grants to just try to teach healthy eating you know if you look at the all the major causes of of death in this country heart disease obesity diabetes all of those can be addressed through healthy eating and as a country uh you know we can make a big impact on on health and wellness in this country just through healthy eating so it, it it checks a lot of boxes for us and and this year it's more of an emergency basis but in any case it's something that we just feel very strongly about yeah this is an important effort and wanted to let people know how the apple industry is 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 helping out uh jim I want to talk to you about your industry we've talked before about the challenges in a normal year and this is far from a normal year um one of those issues has been labor, attracting labor, re, re, and, you know, being able to keep labor, um, keep uh, workers safe. Tell us about how that has gone this year. 
Well, it's it's added a lot of cost for sure, and we don't like to talk about cost because that's just a part of doing business ordinarily. But for example, the the workers that um, we employ to harvest the apples. I, let's be honest, you and I, Mike, wouldn't want to do that job. It's hard and it's and it's long and and it pays pretty well, but it's just not a job that most Americans want anymore. So a lot of that labor is immigrant, and the only legal way of doing that is you have to provide housing, and it can't be a tent. It has to be permanent housing structure. So that's usually like a barracks, you know, an Army barracks-style sleeping arrangement. Well, because of COVID, we can't use the top bunk in a bunk bed. So that cuts our housing availability in half. And, the, and usually the orchards will have uh, old school buses that they bought in order to transport the workers out to the, the orchards to begin work. Well, a school bus that might ordinarily hold 40, if I can only have a, a worker one to a seat and I've got to have an empty row in between rows, you know, that 40-person bus now holds maybe 15 people. So it's been very cumbersome, uh, very expensive, but again, we're trying to power through the best we can and and in the packing house situation, much like uh, your listeners would be familiar with, with meat packing, apple packing is, is not that different. You've got workers standing shoulder to shoulder and making sure the apples are going in the boxes correctly. And if we have to social distance those workers six feet, well, we've, we've cut our capacity by more than 50%. So it's added a lot of costs, but uh, it, in this year, we're just happy that we had a good harvest and and that's always as somebody who grew up on a on a crop farm this time of year is always special to me uh because i've always felt like getting the crop in the bin was the biggest day of the year and so we've had a good harvest and we're we're pushing forward struggling but powering through and hopefully next year we'll get back to business more normal to what we're used to how are your sales going both domestically and uh, your exports? Well, the sales uh, spiked back last week of March, first week in April, as people were filling their pantries for a quarantine period that nobody really understood or knew how long it was going to last. Then sales kind of fell off, but they actually have been uh, pretty strong. And I have to say the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farmers to Families Food Box program has really helped because apples, of course, they, they handle, store, and ship uh, very well, probably the best of all fruits. And so a lot of apples that would have ordinarily gone into the school lunch program but aren't uh, are going into those Farmers to Families Food Boxes. And, and I think USDA has reported that I think over 110 million of those boxes have been distributed. So it's been good for Americans, and it's certainly been good for American apple growers just to keep things going. So uh, the export market is still, we're still struggling because tariffs and retaliatory tariffs, and we'd like to get that back to a free trade uh, um, you know, arena as fast as possible. But all things considered, the, the Farmers to Families food box, uh, uh, despite a lot of doubts and sort of criticism early on, I think is actually, uh, it's been a big, assist to the apple industry and other segments of agriculture too. 
Jim, good to talk with you again. Always appreciate the uh, perspective and the update and wanted to let people know how the Apple industry is helping uh, feed hungry children and very important uh, work that's going on. And that donation is, uh, I know, greatly appreciated and will, we should help a lot of kids. Thanks a lot for being with us. You bet, Mike. Talk to you soon. Take All right. Take care. Jim Baer, President and CEO of the U.S. Apple Association. A lot of challenges, some things in 2020 we never thought we'd see, and uh, hopefully we won't see again. Let's, uh, I keep thinking about end of last year, we were thinking, let's turn the page and get to 2020. It's got to be better. And Well, we found out that isn't always the case, but uh, certainly we're all hoping 2021 will be. Up next, how is the uh, harvest going in the Buckeye State, the state of Ohio? They've uh, kind of been lagging a little behind some of the other areas of the country. We'll get an update from Cy Prettyman. He farms just north of Columbus, Ohio. A harvest report next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. You only get one chance to leave your mark on the land you love. So choose the soybeans with a legacy all their own. FS High Soy, the first proprietary soybean brand High Soy has been a part of the land for 50 years, offering the latest in trade technologies and elite genetics. High Soy varieties continue to provide industry-charting yields. FS High Soy. See your local FS member company or visit fshighsoy.com. 
Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Always interesting to look at developing consumer trends when it comes to food. And we talk with Charlie Arnott, CEO for the Center for Food Integrity. For the last 40 plus years, American agriculture truly has been the wonder of the world focusing primarily on increasing productivity, efficiency, and throughput. Today, consumers, engaged consumers, uh, retailers, and capital markets are beginning to ask whether or not other issues like sustainability, food safety, health and nutrition should also receive greater focus. And so there's, there's an important shift taking place where people are saying we want to continue to enjoy safe, very affordable food, but we also now are looking at other attributes as being equally important as consumers have greater interest in health and nutrition, extending their meals, fresh, high-quality food. All of those things are continuing to play a greater role in the decision process for engaged consumers, retailers, and for those who provide financing to agriculture. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, in the state of Ohio, the Buckeyes are back playing football. They won their opener against Nebraska. Got a big game coming up this weekend with Penn State. So that's going well. But what about harvest? How's that going? Let's check in with Cy Prettyman. He farms north of Columbus. Cy, how's harvest going for you? Kind of stalled out since the last time we've talked. We've uh, we've gotten a little bit of rain, and uh, it's kind of been a struggle. Um I can't remember exactly. We were kind of think towards the end of a week uh, there in mid-October when we talked last, maybe around 18th or so, and uh, we did get uh, finished up that weekend um, at that point and uh, on the bean harvest. Uh, but now we've tried to try to get into corn, but it's, it had three to five inches of rain in different parts of the state of Ohio wow. here over the last ten days, and so it's kind of been a struggle. And we got uh, still got 75% of our corn uh, ahead of us to finish. Yeah, three to five inches, that'll slow you down for sure. Well, let's go to that bean harvest. How did it turn out? 
turned out really well for us this year. We were very pleased, uh, had excellent yields uh, across the board, and um, we're fortunate we got finished up here ahead of these rains, but there's a lot of beans across the state of Ohio to still still get in and get harvested. So that's a good point. You're done with bean harvest, but a lot of your neighbors, a lot of folks, a lot of farmers in Ohio are not done. That's correct. Yeah, there's a lot of beans to come in. I was, talked to a gentleman this week. He had just, just got started ahead of the rain, so he's got the majority of his beans to harvest still ahead of him. And as I've talked to other guys around the state, uh, you know, there's guys that are definitely done, and uh, but there's a lot of beans still sitting out there. Uh, some are at the point where maybe they're just picking up their double crop beans and some of those types of uh, activities going on. But you were happy with the yields then? Very happy with yields. Uh, came in nice and... Um, you know, probably one of our better better years as far as averages go on the bean side. Okay, so how much corn do you have done, and what about the early results there? Uh, corn, yeah, we're just getting started on corn. About maybe twenty five percent of our corn harvested, uh, so we've got quite a bit in front of us to get yet. So we're hoping uh, we've got we've got more rain coming at us tomorrow. Coming off of that hurricane, it's going to push some rain into us. So across the state of Ohio, they're calling for another one to two inches. Uh, different parts, more in the southern part of the state. Uh, we're kind of on the borderline, closer to that inch range, uh, but that'll probably put us out from harvesting until next week. Moisture's still running a little high. As, as I've talked to other guys, ours still, uh, depending on when it's planted, um, you know, we're in the low 20s on a lot of it, and on some of the later planted corn, I'm sure, is still in the mid 20s. Uh, yields have been average, um, not as good as 2018, which was probably one of our best years in the area and with corn yields but pretty decent um, and we're fortunate that we did get some rains there early in the spring and we had some drowned out spots that we replanted and, and most of those survived so you know we're not we don't have a lot of holes out there um, from where we were, were able to replant some corn and so uh, even though it's a little little wet uh, a little higher moisture on those corns where we replanted at least we have a crop there to harvest. So many parts of the Midwest have have dealt with dry conditions this fall. Yeah. So uh, quite the quite the opposite for you. You're going to be looking at a lot of November harvesting. Then is that uh, unusual for you, or have you done that before? Uh, yeah, we've 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 been into November many times, finishing up. Um, so it's not totally unusual, but uh, it feels like it's going to push us out further into November to get wrapped up. So there'll be a lot of guys, I imagine, that'll still be pushing getting harvest done ahead of Thanksgiving at this point. Uh, it does look like the next couple of weeks as far as the, long, the long-term forecast look better and hopefully not a lot of moisture coming in so guys can get out there and get things wrapped up and you know, a lot of fall tillage work to be done. and So plenty of things to do in Ohio yet. Yep, sounds like it. Yeah, what do you think when you hear all these reports of people being done with their harvest? Try not to pay too much attention to, <laughs> attention to it, but uh, yeah, it sounds like uh, my farming friends to the west are, are able to get things wrapped up, and uh, yeah, they've had a little different situation than we had here. And I, it just seemed like it was a little late getting started with the beans. A lot of beans didn't mature quite as quickly as guys were hoping, and um, uh, so when we we were when you guys were rolling hard out further in the in the west, that uh, we were still kind of waiting on crops to mature, and we had some nice weather at that point. Uh, and then just the last 10 days or so here, it's just been a struggle. But we'll get back in, and I suppose we'll eventually get it finished up just like we do every other year. Mm-hmm. Um, when you 
you think you've got some really good corn still out there, or are you concerned about uh, it not being quite as good as you'd hoped? I think, yeah, I think we've got some very good corn to harvest yet. Um, and I think it's going to be, um, it's kind of coming in where I thought it would, maybe not quite. I thought we'll see what we get into as we move into some of the, some of this other corn, um, to see if some of the later planted corn, how it yields compared to the early planted corn, just depending on, cause we were kind of dry in the middle of the summer there. So we'll see how that impacts it. But I think we have some good corn to harvest uh, yet ahead of us, but, uh, I don't know if there'll be record yields for us, but I think they're going to be pretty good. Storage okay in your area? Pardon? You got good storage well, uh, still in your area? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so far, I haven't heard anything on anybody saying they were running out of storage space. Uh, it's been any corn that we've hauled in. You know, a lot of it's coming into our own facilities on farm for storage. Um, we do haul some into the local local mills, but it hasn't been uh, extremely busy there at this point yet so i think capacity wise uh, we're still in pretty good state shape on storage all right si well thanks for the update it sounds like you'll be maybe one of the last ones we'll talk to uh, for harvest 2020 well we'll we'll talk to you again in november and uh, see how things are going at that point okay all right sounds good mike all right thanks a lot have a good safe rest of your harvest Cy prettyman he farms just north of columbus ohio and as you heard him say He's done with beans, but a lot of Ohio farmers are not, and uh, they still got a lot of corn to harvest uh, here as we're wrapping up October and moving into November. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you for joining us. Tomorrow, we're going to take a closer look at this uh, situation with China. Yeah, they're buying more, but on the other hand, they're still way behind on the, uh, the levels called for in that Phase 1 trade deal. We'll get some analysis of that coming up on tomorrow's program and much, much more. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.